0: Hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, and night. You are now listening to Greg Talks. My name is Greg, I am currently 19 years old, and I attend community college. So, before I get started, uh, I would like to thank all of you who have been tuning in and listening over the course of these past 10 episodes, and I just want to say, uh, if it weren't for your guys' it is tremendous Support and feedback and critiques on my content. Uh, I probably would not be as enthusiastic about posting these as I am. I really wanted to start this though, just to have an outlet to talk about things that were on my mind. But um, as you guys have been showing me that you do like the things that I talk about and you want to hear more, so I do promise you that there will be more content and. Yeah, thanks for listening for 10 episodes. So today I wanted to talk about my journey to anime. Now, I'm a person that's been heavily involved in the anime community for a long time. Not so much as a content creator, just more as an observer and a person that's been in it for over the past, well, Really, um, as long as I've been alive, to be honest with you, but um, yeah, I just wanted to detail kind of how I got started and what make what made me kind of get into the medium in the first place. So this uh, episode is gonna be split up into like several different um categories, and the first category that we're going to talk about is the beginning. So in the beginning, I was around. I want to say in elementary school, probably six, seven, eight years old, around that time. And I remember the first instance of any type of Asian culture that I was pervy to was Kung Fu movies. Now, my father, he was heavily into collecting a lot of Kung Fu movies. He had uh, movies on Tiger Style, Mantis Style, Iron Monkey, uh, Shaolin. I think there was one called The House of Pain, uh, Jet Li movies, the uh, Ip Man movies, and of course Bruce Lee. So you know he would uh, pretty much have me like come uh, into you know his room and then you know turn on like a kung fu movie and we would watch it. And they were surprisingly entertaining. But keep in mind I was very young at the time and hadn't been exposed to that much media, so really. This was kind of like a hobby where I would come home usually after school and watch, like, kung fu movies. And let me tell you, my dad was really into collecting them because, like, currently, I believe there's, like, maybe 50 and potentially 100, like, kung fu movies that we own. Uh, Karate Kid, actually, surprisingly, was one I didn't actually get around to seeing until, like, I got older. Um, as the first Karate Kid movie I actually did see was the one with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith, which, hey, if you're a Karate Kid fan, don't get at me about that, though, because, like, we did not own, or I was just not interested in, in, like, watching the original Karate Kid movies until I got older. Um, so, yeah, that's when I started out, and I probably will say, like, the ones that I remember watching the most were definitely a lot of Shaolin uh, Kung Fu movies, uh, a lot of Jet Li, uh, a lot of some Brandon Lee movies, uh, Bruce Lee movies, uh, Into the Dragon was one of them, probably one of my favorites. The IP Man uh, trilogy, that was one of my favorites. The House of Pain was one of my favorites as well. Um, and probably there was one that was dealing with iron flags, like iron f- flag style I don't remember what that one was called exactly but that was another one that i was heavily a fan of um but really uh what interested me most oh and uh, tai chi tai chi was the other one but yeah what what interested me most about the kung fu movies was, was the fact that uh the the fighting um was just so interesting to watch and it wasn't that the story behind it or the acting was i mean that great because I mean, it was served more so as background noise because, really, you only look at fighting movies to see fights, obviously. And the uh, storyline just kind of sits in the background. And so, I was just really intrigued by how they move, though, and the art form of how the fighters move, though, and the styles. Because, like, I did not even know, like, you could... There was a style based off of so many different animals, and you could... Kung Fu, you could literally fight with... Any object that you have, you, you could stop a person's heart with Kung Fu. Uh, you can like redirect someone's flow with Kung Fu. I mean, there's so many different things you could do with it. You know, the only downside is it takes like maybe three to five years before you can actually become proficient in real life doing any of those moves. Sometimes it could take your entire life because some of them are like lifelong things that you have to dedicate a lot of training to. But um, those movies really showcased the first instance of what I would later see on in anime. And that was, um, like, protagonist's perseverance to beat their master or just to overcome obstacles. That was, like, one of the first instances that I really saw that trait, which was in kung fu movies. Now, that it was in other things, too, though, and I'm going to get to that later. But, um... The kung fu movies really laid a foundation for me actually getting into like more uh, anime later down the line, and if it wasn't due to me watching so many of them, I don't think I would be into anime as much as I am now. Especially not shonen, which are be- pretty much meant for males predominantly and are mainly action oriented. So with that, yeah, that's really all there is with kung fu movies. Like I said, there's not much there, though. Like, I only was really watching them for a few years before I kind of, like, stopped being interested in them. But, you know, they uh, needed to be mentioned because they did play a role. Now, the second category that was responsible for getting me into anime is cartoons. And there were several different cartoons uh, that I can say that were heavily anime-inspired that pushed me further into getting closer to what I would eventually watch later in the anime medium. And one of those shows is Avatar The Last Airbender, which premiered on Nickelodeon. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this show again, and those of you who who have listened to uh, a previous episode of mine uh, know this, but Avatar The Last Airbender was a very very uh, important show in terms of getting me into anime because all the characters in that show were very story driven. And that was one of the first shows that was story driven, that kind of had anime esque characters. Uh, Aang, who was the male protagonist, like, you know, his sole mission was to defeat the fire Lord. And throughout the show, you saw him going through different character arcs and becoming the hero he was going to become by the end of the story. Katara was like a love interest, but also a maternal figure who was with Aang throughout his journey and later on, you know, became his love interest through different character arcs that she had to go through. And then you had Sokka, who is the sister of Katara, who was kind of like the comic relief character at first, but then became more of a leader. And you took him extremely seriously by the end because without him, they would not have won the final fight due to his genius and strategy. You had Toph, who was kind of the underdog of the show, though, who was always looked upon as being short. But, you know, had to learn to take pride in what she could do and learn how to rely on other people due to the fact that she was kind of used to being independent for a long time. And then you had Zuko, who has one of the best character arcs in stories in general, who was a villain at first, but had to look deep within himself to find that he was not the villain, but he was made into a villain by people he thought he admired, and once he realized that, he became an ally and helped the main protagonist Aang to defeat the main villain of the story. So, all those characters were very, very well written, though, and are a great example of what I would later see on in some other anime series. Uh, The next show um, that I want to talk about that was also a cartoon is Teen Titans. Um, And I'm talking more specifically about the good one, which was the one that came out in 2003, not the reboot that came out in 2013. Uh, the reason I mention this show now, this show is actually based off of an already existing property. So, which is DC, um, it you know follows the characters or a different iteration of the Teen Titans that's led by uh, Dick Grayson, Robin, and has the characters Cyborg, Starvar, Robin, and Beast Boy, um, but like an anime counterparts. And what makes this show, like, really good is that it also kind of carries over um, similar themes from Avatar to where it um, kind of has great character arcs. You know, you had Robin, who kind of similar to Toph from The Last Airbender. Like, Robin pretty much has, you know, been with Batman, but when he gets his own team, he's so concerned with being independent that he, a lot of times, in a lot of more serious tone episodes where gets... That he has a team and goes off and does his own thing. Uh, then you have Robin. No, wait, not Robin. Um, shoot, Raven. I get those two mixed up. They're both birds, but uh, Raven. Um, she's interesting because um, she was one probably one of the first. I don't know what I think emo emo girl characters. She was one of the first emo girl char- characters that I actually liked. And she wasn't really annoying. She was just kind of minding her own business and reading a book, only to later find, figure out that her past came back to haunt her, and she had to basically embrace or not be afraid of her past in order to save her friends. Um, and that was more of a story of, you know, if her friends were really her friends, like, could she rely on her friends to save her, even though it, by her nature she is a demon, and demons make people... Um, They separate people or they destroy people, though. But her friends were willing to help out even a demon. And when she realized that, she was able to become like a full member of the team officially. Um, She was already a member before, but I mean, like, metaphorically, like, really joined the the team as a person. Uh, Starfire was, albeit uh, her development was mostly given to being Robin's main love interest and being a lot of times an airhead. Yeah, I'm going to admit a Starfire was a bit dumb in some instances. Like, not dumb-dumb, but she wasn't all that smart in a lot of the episodes. So she, um, yeah, was Robin's main love interest, though. And I found that very cute, though. That was also one of the earliest ships that I had as a kid, though. Like, I did want Robin and Starfire to get together, though, because I just thought they worked pretty well like Robin compliments Starfire's airheadedness and Starfire's fun and loving nature compliments Robin's serious tone so you know she also had moments of development though because she technically was supposed to be ruling over her home planet but was kicked out due to her sister kind of being a bad child and being jealous of her so there was a little bit there with Starfire not as much as I would have liked to see from her in the show but albeit still an overall good character. Uh, Beast Boy, similar to Sokka, at the beginning of the story was just comic relief, and Cyborg, oh, you could put him in there too, but Cyborg, I'm going to get to him later, he was a little bit more than that. Uh, but Beast Boy was solely comic relief, because every time he was on, he was just crack jokes. Um, just really being an ass and a jerk, kind of in the funny way, not in like the bad way, but sometimes in the bad way, but mostly in the... In the good way, he was just kind of a jokester a lot of time, and he was the kid of, of the group. A lot, and then Cyborg was kind of like his bro. But uh, Beast Boy also um, he got really good um, when he went through his own kind of arc with um, a character. Uh, what the character's name was? Yeah, Terra. When Beast Boy went through that with Terra, you know, he found somebody that he actually could relate to, I guess, um, and. Through that, though, you saw like him actually not joke around and be serious though, because this is somebody he wanted to have as a friend and potentially more than that. But it didn't work out. and you know, that kind of uh, got to him a little bit though, and that made for some interesting episodes during that whole character arc, which was towards the end of the run of Teen Titans. And it was also like my favorite episode with Beast Boy, though, is when he actually uncontrollably turned into a monster that he wasn't aware of, because every time he did it, he would lose his memory. And for him to not be trusted by his team, like that was really one of the most like dark episodes for Beast Boy, because a lot of people forget that Beast Boy can turn into multiple different creatures. So the nature of his name is he is a beast, and he's looked upon as a beast by multiple people. And the reason he's with the Teen Titans, the Teen Titans accept him for who he is, because he's different, but in reality, Beast Boy would not be accepted by the outside world just based on what he could do. Especially if he can never control his powers, he would be probably tortured and locked up. And that's just the reality of his character, and that kind of showed that in that episode. So that's kind of what, what I like about him, though, is um, you know, he's a jokester, but he, he gets serious when he needs to be. Um, and then you get to Cyborg, um, who is the... Uh, most of you probably know Cyborg's story. You know he was uh, an African American football player. Um, I think for Star Academy. Well, His father worked for Star Labs, and then an accident happened, and in the lab, and Cyborg pretty much lost all of his limbs, and was pretty much near death until his father kind of did something, and infused him with alien technology to turn him into a cyborg, an alien cyborg. And in the show, Teen Titans, though, like they don't really mention that a lot of time. Uh, The closest that you really get to seeing his origin story was when they kind of play around with the question of is Cyborg, um, you know, a, uh, a real person or not because he is part robot or is he not really human at all? And what would happen if he just relinquished the human side of him just for the robot side? That was a really dark episode as well for him, though, and that happened early on in Teen Titans. Um, but that really um, showed Cyborg as a person with, you know, similar to Beast Boy where he's a jokester a lot of the time, but the reality is, in real life, people would not accept Cyborg for who he is. And he he's fine with the Teen Titans because they accept him, you know, for what he is and the circumstances you have to go through. Because really, if you want to be honest, the only normal person on the team is Robin, but Robin, I don't even think you can consider him normal because he's witnessed so many bad people and had to fight a lot of people with Batman. So he's seen the worst in people. So it's like, when it comes to the Teen Titans, you know, that's why he, he's a good leader because he can kind of relate a little bit in a sense because he had no parents growing up. And, you know, he couldn't really operate in the real world. It'd be hard because he's so used to fighting people. So that makes him kind of abnormal in a sense. But, um, yeah, Cyborg, really good character. Like in the meantime, throughout the show, he's a, he works on cars and stuff and inventions. So he's a bit of an inventor. And he's kind of the one responsible for creating a lot of the gadgets in the show. He's kind of like the smart one, but not so smart at times. But still, pretty darn smart. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely a likable character as well. And uh, you know, overall, just the the Teen Titans show like was a very well rounded out show. I mean, it didn't like fully finish its run because it was canceled. But um, that's also a show that was uh, very important. getting me into anime though because you know like i said all the characters were anime inspired and went through similar arcs that anime characters would go through but it was still grounded in enough reality to where i could see myself going through that in real life then um the next cartoon that i watched after that there's actually a few from this point onward but um kim possible so Kim Possible, I will admit, was not a show I was really a big fan of at first because I thought the show was for girls. Because, you know, Kim Possible being a female lead protagonist, I believe that was the first time I saw like a show with a female lead. It wouldn't it wouldn't be the only one, of course, but it would be probably one of the first because other than that show, I mean, there aren't that many examples of female-led protagonist shows. I mean, if you want to count uh, My Life as a Teenage Robot, that was probably another one. But, like, there isn't much that comes to mind when it comes to female led shows. So, like, Kim Possible was definitely a unique snowflake in that regard. But what I didn't like about this show is really the camaraderie between her, between Kim and Ron. Um, This was, like, another relationship that I highly shipped. Um, because I thought they complimented each other, though, and Ron was like one of the first examples of like he was like um, I don't want to say dense because he was always aware of his feelings, but he would always kind of hide them because he thought Kim was out of out of his league a lot of times. And I mean, if we're being honest, uh, she <laughs> she kind of is. I mean, if you look at her and you look at Ron, though, like realistically, I don't know if like Ron would be with Kim in real life, but For the sake of the show, it kind of works because um, Kim is kind of a play on the pretty looking girl in high school because she's essentially a spy um, and she goes to like normal high school and stuff, though. But in the meantime, like she does spy work and then Ron kind of gets sucked in because that's her best friend. But Ron is, I think, the only person who knows about it um, and hence why he's the main teammate but he's also like a childhood friend as well so that's kind of why you know he ends up like teaming up with her in like almost every episode um but what i like about it though is that ron like he's really an mvp though because like if you see him throughout the show he is like a really good gentleman like yeah he's a bit stupid at times though and he does play into the whole like you know, I'm not really all that smart though, and he just gets in the antics a lot of time and gets into trouble, and Kim has to usually save him a lot. But in vice versa, if Kim was in trouble, like Ron would definitely put himself on the line to save Kim, even though he's like a really a scaredy cat. But you know, he would do it for her because you know he cares about her enough to where like he he mans up essentially. So that's what kind of makes Ron a really good character. And then you have Kim. Kim's just cool because, well, she's a spy. Spies are pretty cool. Um, she also doesn't really care to be in the mainstream or trendy things that usual high school girls get into, like cheerleading or you know, like the the girl bully, which I think you know tried to recruit Kim on multiple occasions, but Kim's that, like, no, because I don't want to be a jerk just because I look good. That makes no sense, you know, and then she gets ragged on for hanging out with Ron, though, but, you know, like, so what? I mean, if they knew what she did outside of school, they wouldn't really be saying that, and it's kind of one of those tropes, like, you know, the character that does something really cool outside of school that will make the bullies really admire them, but she hides them from the fact because she shouldn't have to do that to be considered cool or just, like, you know, normal, so... That's kind of why I like Impossible. Like I said, there's not much to say on the show. It was a good show on Disney Channel. I did not watch every episode. Much like a lot of the other cartoons, I was very sporadic with the show. When it came on, I watched it if it was the only thing on. But moving on to the next show uh, we have is Yu Gi Oh. Now, Yu Gi Oh, um, specifically, it was more Yu Gi Oh 5Ds, but. I did watch the original Yu-Gi-Oh, and I remember like my favorite showing out from that was the the film. Uh, I forgot what the film was called, but it was where Yugi got sucked into his medallion, and he had they had to go through like a maze. I thought that was like a really cool movie though, because throughout the show, like you was pretty much intrigued on what was in the amulet, and uh, you know how Yugi you know how he was able to turn into y- yami um from the amulet though because there was so many like interesting secrets from that but uh I'm not really gonna talk about the original Yu-Gi-Oh. I want to talk about yu gi 5Ds. and yu gi 5Ds was like my kind of show because it had a bomb theme song. Uh the theme song was like freaking awesome. Um, and it just got you kind of hyped. And they were riding on motorcycles. And they were also you know, using the little um, cool-looking card decks that they had on their hand that just extended. I thought those were really cool, though. I know a lot of hardcore Yu-Gi-Oh fans were not a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh 5Ds. But, I mean, I beg to differ. That was really cool. Uh, the main character, albeit a little edgy, because he definitely was the definition of an edgy protagonist, more so than the previous um, Yu Gi Oh protagonist, uh, but I still liked him. He was really cool. You know, he was pretty much a bare bones kind of male protagonist. Um, to where like he would save people. A little bit of a hothead at times, though, and a little bit of a lone wolf. I think it was the best word to describe him. But he was definitely a pretty cool character. Um, other than him, though, like a lot of the characters in Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds were pretty well-developed. Like I ended up liking a lot, of, a lot of the first season and second season characters are probably my favorites. Towards the end, I'm not going to lie, I kind of stopped watching the show because I don't even know if it stayed on air that long. I don't think it did, but um, I watched it while it was on air for like the first two seasons every day. It was cool. Um, don't get a lot to say about it, though, but it, it was also another thing that pushed me further towards... Anime, And I think it was considered an anime, but I looked at it as a cartoon still. And then the last cartoon I'm going to talk about is Sonic XD. Now, Sonic XD was pretty much, let's just say if Sonic was an anime, and if there was a male protagonist in it, that's really what Sonic XD is. So you, you got Sonic, you got Tails, Knuckles, Cream, Charmy, the Chaotix. Well, Charmy, Charmy is in the Chaotix, but the Chaotix characters. Um, and mostly a few original Sonic characters, though. And then you got Eggman, and then you got some human characters. So essentially, Sonic crashes on Earth. I forget how it happens, but I think he, he um, finds himself... Drowning in this boy's pool. This pool finds Sonic. And the Sonic starts living with the boy. And then Dr. Eggman comes to town. And the Chaos Emeralds, of course, are there. And pretty much what you do in a Sonic game. Fight Eggman. Keep him away from the Emeralds. Everything is hunky-dory. And that's kind of the status quo. That's kind of kept throughout the show. Uh, Shadow is in the show pretty much all the pretty uh, character archetypes that you see from the characters in the games follow over into sonic xd so i didn't go in expecting much like from the characters because i already kind of knew them because you know sonic is still sonic shadow shadow tails still acts like tails um so like when i was watching the show i think like the most the best parts of the show were when um they took things from the the, the games and they adapted them and then when they added in their own you know characters um, you know that was pretty cool um, and it did have a character arc as well because Sonic XD I believe was also considered an anime as well cuz i think you know Sonic is, was originally made in Japan so it would make sense but at the time that the, this was before i started watching anime so i still considered it a cartoon and it was good, you know. I it also had a bomb theme song, so that was that. Got you hyped for the episode. Go 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 Gotta go fast. Like every time you hear that, though, it's like it gets stuck in your head. But uh, Sonic was a good show. Like, um, I think my favorite character. Uh, I mean, I think it was Tails because Tails had like a like a love. Like uh, it was kind of like an arc towards the end of the show where they were battling these aliens in space and you saw Super Sonic and Super Shadow like fight them, uh, kind of like they did in a Sonic Adventure 2 if, you, if you've ever played that game. Um, so that was really awesome. And other than that, I don't have much else to say on Sonic XD. Like I said, it was one of those shows that was just kind of in the interim period before I really got into like the main anime series which I'm going to talk about next and that series is Naruto well actually not Naruto but Dragon Ball Z so um my how I got into Dragon Ball Z was pretty interesting so the first instance of me getting into it was I went to Best Buy one day and I already kind of knew about Dragon Ball because I was watching like the episodes on my 2007 HP laptop. Yes, it's very old. Um, I don't use it anymore, but it is a kind of considered a relic now, but there's a lot of history on it. Um, me watching anime. Uh, so, you know, I watched a lot of, I think during the time I watched. It was the Boo Saga, I think. Because I think I saw the Saiyan Saga. And I had a lot of the games. The Dragon Ball Z Dragon Ball Z games. Uh, my favorite one being Budokai Tenkaichi 3. Debate that with me if you want. But that's still considered one of the best Dragon Ball Z games of all time. And that was on the Wii. So, I uh, played that. And, and then, like I said, I went to Best Buy and I saw like, uh, the Boo Saga, and I bought the, uh, two sets of the Boo Saga, I think, the, I bought, like, the beginning of it, and then the, towards the end of it, as well, you know, and that's all I knew about Dragon Ball, I mean, like I said, I already knew the Sand Saga, and I knew a little bit from the Cell Saga, but the Cell Saga, I saw mostly on my computer, because they weren't showing the Cell Saga on TV, um, at the time, so that was the only way I could watch it, and I'm really glad people... You know, the the copyright system on YouTube had not been established yet, so that means you can upload, like, episodes from anime and stuff without really getting caught, and um, that's what I watched mainly for a long time. Uh, Then I bought the volumes, and then I also bought a few movies, and my favorite movie, like, after that was was, my favorite fights were probably the... Broly versus Teen Gohan, not Teen Gohan, but Adult Gohan. Super Saiyan 2 fight. That fight was gruesome, but it was amazing. And then the fight between, of course, um, Cell and Teen Gohan. Still one of my favorite fights in Dragon Ball Z. And then the fight with Adult Ultimate Gohan and Super Boo. Another one of my favorite fights. As you can see, Gohan permeates through a lot of my love of dragon ball and for good reason, because he's a lot of people's favorite character, but the whole span of him between the fight between or no, the the beginning of the cell saga. No, no, really. Oh, okay. Yeah. The beginning of the cell saga, Gohan all the way up until the super boo versus ultimate Gohan fight throughout that whole span. Like Dragon Ball was like fire for me. Like that's that's my the best like run for Dragon Ball. Um as far as like the Saiyan Saga, Saiyan Saga was amazing too. Um standout fight from that, obviously Gohan I mean Goku versus Vegeta version one, evil Vegeta, still the best fight. Uh hands down, I don't think it's better than the Teen Gohan fight, but it's pretty close in number um yeah you know dragon ball was really cool um definitely like gohan was probably was my favorite character from z uh definitely liked videl um vegeta is up there as well goku's kind of on the lower end because he's just not not really a character that i mean i like him as the main character but that's about it um not much development with him you know i'd have to go back and Watch Dragon Ball to see if I actually like Goku before he became, like, super strong. Uh, another character I think I was a fan of was uh, Piccolo. Piccolo was definitely a favorite of mine, only because he was integral to Gohan's development. So... Out of those three, um, and then they got Gotings and Chi Chi and Bulma. Oh god. But I mean Balmo was cool, but like I did not like Balma. I thought Balma was really annoying at the beginning of Z though, and I'm glad she took a back seat towards the latter half of the of the show. So yeah, that's really uh it's really all there is when Dragon Ball Z though. Like I said, that was that was really my first um like real anime that I became a fan of um I know like people are going to count like Sonic XD and Yu-Gi-Oh or animes well to me they're not and if, before you say Pokémon I didn't watch Pokémon uh I saw a few episodes of Pokémon but it wasn't like what really got me into it I will say dry like those cartoons that I mentioned before and you know Dragon Ball um probably the most important shows that really got me into the medium and then The next show, which I'm probably going to spend a while talking about, is Naruto, the original Naruto show. Now, Naruto was hands down, like probably like the anime that was responsible for me being a fan of anime in the first place. I had so many Naruto like things that I owned. Like I was obsessed with the characters, the uh, the music. The openings, I had a whole art book dedicated to every single character, all the Sharingans, like all the villages. I had all the video games. Like if you want to say I was a fan of Dragon Ball, I was a fan of Naruto just as much. The only thing that I didn't do was read the manga, and I'm kinda of mad that I did not, because I would have been on that week to week to week to week to week. But um just getting into Naruto, like, you know, the story kind of started out with, like, this boy who had, like, you know, a demon inside of him and wasn't liked by a lot of kids, and, you know, he was a loner, his dad and his parents were gone, so, you know, he was, you know, alone, and he would get into antics, though, just to try to get attention, Um, and I will say the moment that got me hooked on Naruto, it wasn't really the beginning. I mean, the, the the first episode was really powerful, but that episode wasn't the episode that got me into it. The episode that got me really into it was when Naruto, Sasuke, and Sakura had to fight Kakashi um, in the yard as Team 7 when they were training. Or, this was really before they were Team 7, because this was more like the preliminary test in order to become a member of Team 7. But... Um, you know, uh, Naruto and Sasuke, you know, when they were fighting Kakashi, though, the choreography on the fighting was just really fluid and, it, you know, you felt every kick and you felt every punch. I love the whole concept of jutsus where you could do like different hand signs and, um, like do all these types of different things that would be considered magic, by most people, though, but it was just m- manipulating the elements to use against your opponent using spiritual energy, which they call chakra. Um, when your chakra is focused, you can do more powerful jutsu. When it's unfocused, your jutsu are weaker. Like the whole system just made sense, at least in the beginning of Naruto, before they kind of, like, got like god tier mode. But um, I really like Sasuke and I really like Naruto. Um, my favorite arc from the original Naruto, I, st- I still want to say um, it is the uh, Zabuza and Haku arc um, when you know they were fighting Zabuza. Zabuza was really a really cool designed character. Um, and That just kind of co- tells you though that uh, Kishimoto was just very good at designing his characters because every character was pretty unique in their own special way. So... Um other than that though I mean that that arc was really good because it is for the first time it showed the relationship between Sakura, Sasuke and Naruto and it showed a lot of their characters um and who they would evolve into later on in the story. It showed how um Naruto was so determined to continue to grow throughout to become one of the best shinobi in the world, you know, to become Hokage. It showed his perseverance in that arc a lot. Um And his um, ability to still win in the end, despite his um, circumstances, despite him being weak, he still found a way to win. Sasuke, on the other hand, you know, he was a character obsessed with revenge because his whole arc started like, I'm going to avenge a certain somebody, like a certain someone, and, you know, they're going to get their just due for doing what they did to me when I was, you know, for killing his whole clan. You know, we later find out that character is um his older brother but um also sorry for spoilers if you haven't seen naruto or any of these shows um but yeah these shows have been out for a while though so anyway um yeah as far as naruto goes uh sakura probably one of my, the most like at the time i didn't hate her but i hate her now because she didn't really do much in the original show except be a you know b-word and super annoying all the time and like literally like sasuke and sasuke this sasuke that it's just kind of annoying though like she never did any fighting um it's just really a letdown for her but um some other characters I i was really digging was shikamaru uh, Shikamaru was freaking cool though because he was saying like such a drag. Like th- that was like his catchphrase, but his move, his moves were representative of of his attitude. It was like he would. Um, I remember in the video games, I would love doing um Shikamaru's shadow jutsu. Like he would like literally, <laughs> he would literally like um lean back and then care freely kick you in your head though. And then by the time you got back up, he would do the shadow jutsu, and then he would throw a shuriken, and it would hit you square across the uh, square across the head. I don't know that that move that he does though is just so it's lazy, but it works because that is his character, and I love that. Um, I wasn't really a big fan of Choji, was like kind of the, what uh, He was like uh, the overweight character. Not because, you know, he was overweight, but, you know, he was born, like, overweight because everybody in his clan is, like, big. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think of some of the other characters. Gara was a fan. He was a favorite of mine, like, um, easily one of the best. I don't even want to say he's a villain because um, he was, like, the end. An- he was an antagonist for a little bit, but he wasn't, like, evil, so... I'm- but he was really good. I love like his sand jutsu. Sand coffin was a move that I used in the games so much because I love that move. Like sand coffin, like that was just a really cool move to me. Uh, then you got a uh, Rock Lee. Rock Lee was another cool character. Um, everybody knows that has watched Naruto. That Agara versus Rock Lee fight is one of the best fights in the original show. Um, Rock Lee was very representative of another character. Perseverance, and because I saw like all the all those kung fu movies in the past, you know, Rock Lee immediately reminded me of Bruce Lee, obviously, and later found out that's the character he was inspired off of. And you know, he worked hard though, and his moves are really interesting because, like I say, each character's moveset is representative of their character of, of their character traits. So you know, Rock Lee would do the flying lotus. And then he would like wrap you in this in these bandages that were around his arm, shoot you up in the air with his kick, and then just like pound you down. And then uh, he would do I think it was called Premier, Lo Premier, Lo Premier Lotus. And that move was when he would like open up all the eight gates, and that was another move I would freaking spam to death though because. I would say, like, unlock eight gates. Boom! And then his, he would just go, like, not Super Saiyan, but, like, Super Saiyan. And he would just, like, pound you at super fast speeds throughout the air, though, and then just do Premier Lotus, and then just pound you into the ground so hard. There was so much satisfaction when he did that to Gaara, and it gave me the same satisfaction to do that to my younger brother when I was playing the games against him. So... You know, there was that. And, you know, um, let's see, some of the other character arcs throughout the story. Um, Orochimaru was one of the most creepiest villains I had seen in any show up until that point, because Orochimaru was like a snake, and all his jutsus were based around snakes and venom. And But it was due to Orochimaru that gave birth to another version of Sasuke that I really like. And that is the curse mark, Sasuke. Now, the curse mark that Sasuke got when Orochimaru bit him during the Chunin exams arc, which was another arc, um, that was also a really good arc in the story. But when he got bit, it was like an overarching thing throughout to where um, Sasuke would have like these lapses to where the curse mark would expand across his face and it would give him like enormous amounts of power. But He didn't have control of the mark, and the mark would cause him like a lot of pain. So what Kakashi did, which was his, you know, teacher and the leader of Team Seven, he would put like a uh, a hold or a a seal on it to keep it at bay, so it wouldn't like it would allow Sasuke to keep control of it, but it would keep it from spreading any further. So later on, throughout that, yeah, so later on throughout that whole ordeal. Um, At the end of the story, you know, Sasuke ends up fighting Naruto. And, you know, at this point, um, Sasuke was like, look, bro, I'm not getting stronger than you. So how in the world do you think I'm going to be able to compete with my brother? Because remember, Sasuke's whole goal is to, you know, kill the person that, you know, destroyed his entire clan. So the only way in his mind for him to do that is for him to leave and go with Orochimaru and like you know what I'm saying it sounds dumb but if you really think about it Sasuke was like if I stay with you knuckleheads at the leaf village I would never get stronger and the reality of the situation is I don't know if that's entirely true but at the same time I don't think Sasuke would have gotten as strong as he did become if he did not leave the leaf village so on in from a logical standpoint that was kind of the smarter move But, you know, Naruto was like, no, because you're going to team up with the person who wants to, like, take your body. And, like Sasuke says, like, I don't really care because as long as I complete my goal before that happens, I'm fine. But Naruto has a problem with how you're just going to throw your life away like that when you had friends and family. And really, Sasuke, his only family is Team 7 and the people he knows at the Leaf Village because his whole family is dead So Naruto, like as his surrogate brother, was like, no, I'm not going to let you do that. So you better turn your ass around, otherwise I'm going to beat some sense into you and then drag you back myself. And that's pretty much word for word what Naruto's banter was to Sasuke. Um, We all know in real life that would not work. And if he did do that, he would be going to jail. So, um... Naruto and Sasuke fight and then that leads to one of the best fights in the entire series like I said you can debate that with me but let me tell you that fight was amazing and I didn't get to see the whole fight on TV so I ended up watching it online the full fight and it was really really good you know, throughout and you know, they used like all the juices they learned up until that point though, and then towards the end of the fight, Naruto turns into his like beast form and then just starts to annihilate Sasuke, but then Sasuke unleashes his curse mark fully, having full control over it, and he grows like these gigantic hand wings. And I'm kinda mad I don't have that art book anymore because there was like a lot of nice pictures with Sasuke and like the full-on curse mark form. And um, Naruto in his full on uh, nine tails, well at least one tail, nine tails form, and them just going at it. Um, Naruto, of course, had the Rasengan um, that he would you know whip out throughout the show, not just in the final fight, but um, the Rasengan was kind of like his go to move. And then you had uh, Sasuke with the Chidori kind of move, and Ch- Chidori is like a lightning-based attack. If you ever played the games, um, if you've seen Kakashi's lightning blade, which was also another iteration of a lightning-based jutsu, um, Kakashi would like fly around and then freaking just strike you through the heart with the lightning blade. Um, Sasuke took that move, and instead of just doing all the other acrobatics that Kakashi did, Sasuke would just literally garner up all the electrical energy within the air and just pound, just, like, hit your heart. And in some cases, go through you if you're not strong enough to take the full-on brunt of the lightning. And most times, he does go through his opponents because he's Sasuke. So, you know, they did that, and they clashed, though, and, you know, that fight ended up destroying the entire, like, location where they were. It was also an emotional fight, though, because up until this point, like, You know, you don't want Sasuke to leave, though, and you kind of are rooting for Naruto to bring him back, but you know Naruto is not strong enough to bring Sasuke back. So, how does Kishimoto do it? Um, He makes Sasuke win the fight, barely, and he makes uh, Naruto lose, but um, he decides to not let Sasuke kill Naruto, as Sasuke says, like, you know, I want to kill you, but you know you're still he considers naruto a brother so it's like i don't want to kill you um so i don't even want to say it was showing him mercy it's just like he didn't want to kill his his only friend slash brother essentially or you know have him or to lose a brother again he didn't want to go through that so he just let naruto stay passed out and he let you know Naruto like scratches headband and his he dropped his headband in the water right next to Naruto and then he just left, and then that leads into Naruto Shippuden, and that is um another show. Um, like I said, I don't have as much to say about Naruto Shippuden because the thing about Naruto Shippuden is that it. It takes a lot of elements from the original, but it doesn't really follow through on what I really liked about the original. The show becomes super, super power level based. And that means what I mean by power level based is if you remember like in Dragon Ball, like towards the end of Dragon Ball Z, it it just became like one Super Saiyan transformation to another. And then Super Saiyan 3 eventually came along. It was just Goku powering up, essentially. And that's what Naruto Shippuden became. It was like Naruto just kept on getting new form after new form after new form. And Sasuke, similarly, just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the consequences of fights became lesser and lesser and lesser. And because of that... Um, it just really kind of took me out of a lot of the fights and she put in. And it's not to say that they were bad, because I still enjoyed a lot of the fights. Like, my favorite fight is Sakura versus Saucery, and that's the only fight that Sakura is in that I honestly like. Other than that, no, I still hate that girl character, (laughs) but um, all the characters, it was cool to see them older. I mean, they still retained other traits, Um, but like Naruto, like I said, you know, he became, like, stronger and stronger and i think like the best fight in the show before the end of the show was like naruto versus pain but even that like i don't really i mean i think the fight is amazing but i don't think that's my favorite fight i will still give the sorcery versus sakura fight is one of my favorites and um another part of the show that happened in the beginning of naruto 2 or naruto shippuden um, was when Gara was, um, taken out by, um, I forgot what his name was, but he's the guy that makes, like, claymation bombs, like, he makes bombs out of clay, and he, you know, he killed Gara, and Gara became the Kazukage, which is the Hokage of the Sand Village at that time, and, you know, to see him beaten like that, that was also pretty sad, though, because I think he, Gara did get the, um, the Jinjuriki, which was the demon that was inside of him, sucked out, because of that and he almost did die though and you know naruto found a way to save him so that was like kind of nice though to see like gara naruto kind of come around full circle um again you know that was kind of pretty cool um and then yeah later on i think another standout show all uh, right not not show but another standout scene from the uh You know, uh, Naruto she put in was the fight between Sasuke and Itachi. And the only reason I was really hyped for this fight was because I was waiting to see um, a rematch between uh, Sasuke and Itachi because I didn't mention it, but there was a fight that they had in the original where like Sasuke was wrecked as a kid, but that was when he didn't have a lot of power. Now he was a lot stronger and there was no way that he wasn't going to lose because he had gained so much power and he still had the curse mark at this time so this fight was going to get really good really fast and i love the banter like they as sasuke was telling like itachi at the beginning sasuke says enough with the bull enough with the bull crap like i'm here to kill you just tell me what i want to know and look, we're good, and I'm gonna own you, and you're gonna die. And <laughs> that's literally what he told his brother. And the brother said, "Fine, you can try and kill me if you can." <laughs> so, and that's how until they started fighting though, and it was intense. I think that fight is still up on YouTube too, but that fight was really really cool because Sasuke's pulling out all the stomps. You know, you got the uh, the normal martial arts, got the weapon shurikens. You got all the the new advanced levels of Chidori he can do now, and then you have the curse mark. Um, at the end of the fight, though, the curse mark was taken out of him by like Itachi, um, and then Itachi was about to win the fight. Um, but then you had a uh, you know Itachi tell Sasuke that um, you know I was doing this all to save you essentially from uh, from yourself from your hate. You know I set you up so you could become stronger. But in the end, I was going to die regardless, saving you, because, you know, Itachi, you know, he did what he did for a reason. He wasn't really a bad brother. He Sasuke just didn't know. And he knew Sasuke was going to hate him for it, but, you know, he had to in order to make him strong enough to survive against Orochimaru. And, you know, after he sucked it out of him, no, Itachi he died. You know, and that was... And um, and that was probably, like, one of the last fights in the show, besides, like, the last one that I uh, honestly enjoyed. Uh, you know, of course, it was the war arc and Neji's death and stuff, but the war arc, like I said, didn't really do it for me. It was just okay to see all the characters come back. But, you know, overall, uh, I've went on long enough about Naruto, I think. But that just goes to show you, like, You know, between the shows Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, Kim Possible, Sonic X, Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, Avatar The Last Airbender, and a lot of the Shaolin Kung Fu movies. Just looking back through all that, though, I'm super glad I kind of have that as a background because I would not be as artistically driven or as creatively driven had I not been introduced to anime or seen the shows that led me into getting into it in the first place. So, you know, I definitely got to... Thank all the creators I made all those shows because like without them I would not be talking about them today and I would probably be in a completely different thing. I would probably be more into books, most likely, if I didn't get into anime, I will say that. But even though I do like books, but I would probably be more into them. But yeah. Um anime is still awesome. Uh I definitely hope that you go check out some of the shows that I mentioned. I mean, they're not on TV anymore, a lot of them, but you could probably still find them on streaming services and youtube um if they're not blocked but uh yeah um thank you all for listening for the past 10 episodes like i said there will be a lot more to come and if you're interested at um finding more of this podcast or what uh, platforms to view it on uh you can view this podcast on anchor.fm on spotify on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as iTunes, and remember, every episode gets posted on YouTube on Saturday morning, in particular. So you, for all you YouTubers that listen to this, uh, you know it'll be up there for you. And I'll also post, you know, some stuff in the description if you guys are interested in like viewing some of those shows and getting into anime if you're interested. But uh, yeah, that's all I had to say. Once again. Thank you for listening for ten episodes straight. And also, if you want to view some exclusive content, um, I will be posting a video later to my Patreon as well as um, my YouTube channel later. So, but if you want to see it early, uh, you know you can find my Patreon at p a t r e o n slash. G R E G T A L K Z. That's patreon.com at, I mean, patreon.com slash Greg Talks. Um, but yeah, uh, I will see you guys next week with a new topic at a later date, at a later time. Uh, and thank you for listening. Bye.